tonight, India put the finishing touches to the ranchy test pitch. Uh, can the Aussies silence Virat Kohli? Billy the Kid is back, Payne Plane is grounded, and Moses delivers the 11th commandment, thou shalt not wear leg warmers. And he's not the Messiah, but he's bloody close to it. Paul Ruse is our special guest. Get ready to be blown away by the back page live. What a win for Australia. So much sport, so little time. They continue to speak before they think. I'll be about as relaxed as Jeff Fennick in a spelling bee. It'll cost him his job. All about the fans and what brings kids back. One of the Australia's biggest rivalries. Sport doesn't stop and neither do we. Hello, buddy. Great to have your company once again. And I'm prepared to say that tonight's show is a blockbuster. And uh, here are the stars of the proceedings. Welcome to Kelly Underwood and Robert Crash Craddock. Hello, my friends. Lovely to have you. And over this side, Ryan Fitzgerald alongside a man making his triumphant return, Jamie Soward. Welcome back, fella. Thanks, mate. Lovely to have you here. What are you doing tomorrow night? Uh, <laughs> we're not on tomorrow night, Dave. No. So, uh, Luckily, because you have a date, I understand. I do. Justin Bieber with my beautiful fiance, Maddie. You're going uh, to Justin Bieber? Yeah. Is uh, that a half-back 5'8 thing, or do you think there'll be other front row forwards there? <laughs> <laughs> I actually spoke to Woodsy backstage. He said he'll meet me there and we'll really? catch up. Just bury the hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, do it. Bury the hatchet into Bieber for, for the rest of us. <laughs> Last time we spoke, uh, Australia was on the verge of retaining the Border Gavaskar Trophy. Well, it turns out we lost that test. Then we lost Mitch Stark and Mitch Marsh ahead of Thursday's third test match. In beautiful ranchy crash... There's been talk all week about the pitch that's being prepared for the Australians. Well, three pitches. Where are we? Well, I've just got a phone call and a, and a text in the last half hour with a photo of yep. the final choice of, of the pitch and tone. It is absolutely cooked to within an inch of its life. <gasps> if you showed this pitch to a cricketer, they would say, oh, when did that match end? Well, it hasn't even started. It is a rolled mud deck. There's footprints on it. I've never seen that on a a pitch before the start of play, Australian players have been banned from taking photos of it. So they've just completely prepared... I, I think uh, you're overreacting, Crash, because I spoke to the curator at Ranchi. Uh, Mick Gatto was his name. He said there's nothing <laughs> dodgy about it. <laughs> and his employers in India were just saying, just look after the pitch for us, Mick. Yes. It's so dodgy. So rolled mud. Does that bring Glenn Maxwell into contention, do you think? It does. And you know what? It may not be a bad thing. Australia won the first test on a deck like this. It could be so overcooked that it, I reckon this Australian team is tired. I'm not sure they've got a five-day test in them. But you know what? If you win the toss, you bat, you score a grubby 280, your spinners like Nathan Lyon, he might have a sore finger, but, but it just might work. But the fast bowlers in the nets are getting the ball to bounce this high. Well, one last fast battle is obviously Mitchell Stark has gone. Pat Cummins has gone over for Australia. Now, will he be required to bowl a hell of a lot of overs? Because there's some question mark about him. Look, there is. There always has been for the last six years. But here's the thing. There he is thundering in. Uh, he may only bowl 10 overs a day, less than he would bowl in a Sheffield Shield game in Perth. So I don't mind this selection. It's copped a lot of criticism, but you can only model a coddle a player so off so much. He's eventually you've got to slap his talent on the table and say, mate, what do you got? We're in need. And Have you got ten spirited overs a day, even though the ball's bouncing that high? You've got absolutely nothing to lose, haven't you? I mean, if you're gonna break down in Perth, you're gonna break down in Ranchi. So it doesn't really matter in a sense. Yeah, look, they didn't want him this season. They were really hoping to, to cuddle him just through to the ashes. But as we said, like He's a beautiful kid. They put so much time into it. And the great stat is he's been paid more in injury payments than Alan Border made in his career. <laughs> 160 tests compared to one. Mm. But, so, look, 
It's time. Yeah. Mitchell Marsh obviously has a serious shoulder injury. I'm not sure how he did that, not bowling. Uh, <laughs> he only bowled a couple of overs over there, but he's out for a long period of time. You mentioned Maxwell. He's over there. If he isn't the guy that they look to, given what we've seen from that pitch, given that he can bat, he can field, the other all-rounder has gone home. If he doesn't get called up, what the hell is he there for? Yeah, that's right. Look, uh, it's a bit of a, a... Much like this could be Cummins' defining moment, Maxwell's been craving to get back into test cricket. He, he does play spin well. He bowls a little bit of spin, but he's deteriorating as a spinner. He's a good fieldsman. I'd be putting the heat right on him at number six, saying, Glenn, here's your moment, mate. You know, And in a game like this, 30 could be a good score. Honestly, that could be a pass mark. So he's fearless. And also, he's got a bit of spark. He yep. just might hit three balls over the top of the field and suddenly they're a bit jittery. But, yeah, it's a, it'll be a great test. I, I'm so... This sort of cricket, I know it's a dodgy deck, but, Tone, you're the same. We, God, we love dodgy deck cricket, don't we? You not take your eyes off it. It's and, brilliant. And it's the best thing about it. Like you said, if the boys can get up with a dodgy wicket, it makes it so much more mm. sweeter over there. So this is such a oh, vital Fitzy, test. let's call it now. If they win this series, yep. it's the greatest win of the modern era. Better than Agreed. Borders 89 Ashes, yep. Tubby in 95, wow. Gillies team in 204. Mm. From where they've come from to win this, we'll, it will be the best. Okay, you're right. getting ahead of yourself. No, no, I'm not saying they're <laughs> going to do it, but if I they need did. I to pour some cold water. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I can't tell you how proud I am to be a cheating Australian, obviously. Uh, Virat Kohli wasn't brave enough to call Steve Smith a cheat, but said everything else after this. Now, this is that little look up to the dressing room after he's struck, well, plum, let's face it. Just for DRS, he gets a little nod from his team mate, have a look. The umpire doesn't like it. It's not a great look, to be honest, is it? No, no. Australia just loses that argument. And Cricket Australia have defended Steve and called him a man of integrity, but you lose the argument because it was a blatant breach of the rules. Absolutely. Everyone knew the rules. The commentators were on him in about three seconds and Coley knew this. See, he, he, when he's in the ascendancy, he's just all over you. He, he knew he had the right... He was, knew he was on the right side of the argument and just opened fire. And let's be honest, if Coley was in the middle of the MCG in a Boxing Day test in front of 80,000 yep. fans and he turned up to turned his eyes to the team for advice on DRS, I mean, we'd be calling him a cheat. Well, I'm going to call him a cheat anyway. He's doctoring pitches. Yeah. They're doctoring is pitches it, blatantly. Is it true this pitch as well? They're, they're targeting the spots where Ashwin has been dominated <laughs> yeah, the most. That's the other thing. Maybe the boys are getting paranoid, but the one the guys who I spoke to in Ranchi today said there are dark spots where Ravi Ashwin lands your stock ball. And so, you know, in other words, it's the absolute home treat cooked to light. MS Dhoni, the former Indian captain, lives around the corner from the ground. It's his home city, and he's been there every day supervising the pitch, so I've got a fair idea who's behind it. Steve wasn't happy, I think, more. The thing that disturbed him more than anything else that happened in the Test match was the idea of Coley revving up the crowd when the Australians were batting. Now, is this really a problem? Surely, Sal, you've played football. You love to have the crowd, even if they're against you, and most of the time they were, let's yeah. face it. I think that is... <laughs> Was that you up in the box? Yeah. <laughs> You're a Dragons fan. Uh, no, I think it's good for cricket. Uh, we saw Happy Gilmore. Yeah, you know, Steve Waugh's probably like the shooter McGavin. Like, <laughs> be respectful, this is golf. But no, I think that's great. Uh, probably make you concentrate a little bit better. And the Auss let's face it, the Aussies are up against it over there anyway. And you see the pitch, so... Uh, the crowd probably make you take your mind off of what's going on. You mentioned Ashwin. Uh, all the Indians are having a dig at the Aussies, in including him. Particularly, he was particularly pleased with his on-field banter. Have a listen. They were having a lot of chat in the park when we were actually going out to bat and we were down. It's very easy to have a chat when you're down. I told Matt Renshaw when he was batting in the first innings that if they didn't score big, I'll have them for soup and dessert. It's basically a rule of 
you know, the cricketing world that you just keep everything on the field. But if they want to take it off the field, that's up to themselves. From our point of view as a player, we'll, we'll probably never do that. Oh, never my goodness. That. Be fair and reasonable, Dave. So, so Australia's gone from super sledges to holier than now. I mean, this is a remark. I love David Warner and that he's been able to turn around his, his yeah, career I and know. his life and all full credit to him. But that's a bit rich coming from him. He, he nearly caused a brawl at the World Cup when they played India. He doesn't do the Methodist minister very well at all. I'm <laughs> sorry. But look, Ashwin's got him nine times in test. No one's got him like that. He's got this ball to Warner that just, the offspinner that just comes and spins into him, gets him LBW all the time. He's really got his number and he's the hardest bloke in the world to tie down. So he's loving it. All right. Speaking of spinners, yeah, ever get that feeling you've forgotten something really important? This is far with Ahmed uh, in the Sheffield Shield last week. Oh, he's coming no. out to the That's right, I did forget something. You know, he goes back over and, uh, yeah, Ahmed. you may need this. <laughs> I, I actually checked it out, Tyrone. Yeah. He went out there and made a duck, so he, he forgot to use his bat as well. <laughs> he could have left it behind, it didn't matter at all. Well, they're all. trying to get him to use smaller bats, but that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> can, can I just say, there is absolutely nothing funny about cricket players being hit in the undergarments. Uh, like West Indies' Jonathan Carty here facing England, look at that, and down he goes, that, that's not funny. Unless they exit stage right <laughs> in this manner, that girl is hilarious. That's how I enter my house after a big night on my <laughs> Exactly. All right, to the NRL now, and a massive round two threw up a burning issue that has been the talk of rugby league since Sunday. What is going on with Mitchell Moses's socks? What's that? You, you know this man. What's happening there, Sal? Is that, is that allowed? Oh, I don't know what's going on there with Mitch Moses. He looks like he's not happy with the ISC branding socks and he's got his own brand of socks on. But I'll tell you what, the CEO, Justin Pascoe, wouldn't be happy with that because ISC pump a lot of money into the Tigers and a lot of other teams. So uh, either you, ISC... You've seen that happen before? I've seen it happen where players have put socks over those kinds of socks, but never... Never like that. I think it's fine. I don't know if you guys know, but he takes classes down at the Tigers every week. Uh, if you can see here. <laughs> Aerobics Tiger style, it's called. And his leg warmers are a hit. They, really, he's not the first either, Kel, to wear that kind of sock. This is Sydney FC player Andy Griffiths in the white boots. This is from a few years ago. The white boots, exactly the same routine. So he's done the same thing with the leg warmers. The same thing. I think in the AFL a few seasons ago, there were players caught out cutting their socks and they were fined, I think, off the top of my memory, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got they're sock very, They're very fussy <laughs> about their socks. Exactly. All right, the story during the rounds today is that Melbourne will host State of Origin's first Sunday stand-alone game next year. Is this cause for concern for anybody? I know I've got a Queenslander over here. We've got some people from New South Wales and some South Australians who couldn't care less. What do you think, Sally? Do you like this? I don't like it at all, Tone. I think... State of origin should always be between New South Wales and Queensland. I, I like the well, fact that... it is. That, Victoria aren't playing. Yeah, but <laughs> I just think you take away from the tradition of the game. Every year it's two in Queensland, one in Sydney. Two in Sydney, one in Queensland. If you take one in Melbourne, the advantage is always going to go with Queensland because there's no New South Welshman down there, even though we won the last game down there. Yep. There's no New, Th New South Welshman that play in the Melbourne team that are recognisable to that Melbourne crowd. Yeah, but then it's neutral. But that's why it's good because you get one home grand, a home team each, and then you get a neutral ground. I think of it like this: Would the AFL take the grand final to Sydney? There's only, the there's only one AFL grand final where there's three state of origins. And if you ask anyone, Jamie, that attended the last one, when was that? A couple of years ago, mm. 96,000 fans. Might have been the biggest crowd at the MCG for the brilliant. year. 
It was an unbelievable experience, and I guess the bosses look at they're trying to grow the game and capitalise on the success of the Melbourne Storm. Exactly. And Sydney have got to start turning up to things. I mean, the origin in Sydney takes ages to sell. Sydney crowds this year, I think, there's a story going in the Telegraph for the next few hours, they're the lowest in 20 years. Mm. I mean, they've got to... I mean, the, the crowds have been tardy in Sydney, Jamie. Then this is a reflection of this. Yep, I do agree with that. But I, I'm traditionalist. I like playing. There was nothing better when I made my debut up in Queensland knowing that we had to go up there to try and win the series. If I knew I had to go to Melbourne and try and win the series, it just wouldn't feel the same. It was brilliant. I was at... That Melbourne game a couple mm. of years ago. It was a sensational atmosphere and the Blues did win that one. Right, one legendary Queensland fullback is out for the season and origin. Of course, I'm talking about GI. But another comes back into the frame. Yet Billy Slater has been picked in Melbourne's team this week. He's just a great athlete, Sally, isn't he? It's Jeez, good to in, see him back. He's in great shape, isn't yeah. he? That's oh. a great photo. Wish I looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> so does my missus, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, look, Billy Slater is probably one of the greatest fullbacks of all time. Uh, what he brings to that Melbourne side, I think, will just be you know, the cream on the coffee. Uh, Cameron Munster's been doing a fantastic job for them at the back. They won a tough game last week in New Zealand, and having Billy Slater back this week for a big game uh, against the Broncos. First home game of the year. This has been deliberate. Yep. To get draw the crowds in, and we just he's 33. Everyone just wishes him well because he's played one handful of games in two years. Yeah, he's brilliant. The only good news for Jared Hayne from the weekend is that he won't have to train for a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that too cruel? He's out for up to six weeks with uh, ankle ligament damage. After all the you know the hot air that's been going around at the Titans about him, that's a sad look, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a sad look when any player's injured, but I think. What's gone up with the Titans with Jared Haynes being a bit overblown. Uh, sometimes those things can just get out. They're supposed to be kept in-house, so that's what would have made Jared so upset that someone has spoken out of school. And you'd know yourself, Fitzy. If you, what happens in the dressing room and the locker room, if someone gets disciplined, that stays in there. Yeah. And that's a real you know, trust issue that you take with the players. So the only, to come out. The only thing I disagreed with, though, was his tweet when he tweeted... Loose, oh. loose lips sink ships. He probably should have kept that to himself as well. You go into the club... You, you tell them how disappointed you are, but you don't do it on social media. Have you boys ever been sent to the fat club like he was? Oh, I was in the fat club most years. Yeah, I enjoyed myself. I mean, off-season for me was to go and enjoy myself. I remember we won the premiership and I went to America and come back six kilos over and Wayne just looked at me and said, it's going to be a long club. season. <laughs> I've got a funny, funny story, Crash. When I first went to the Swans, my first day there, they had a tour of the club and I said, can I go off my own and have a look? And I could hear all this cheering coming down from one end of the rooms. And I went down there and I peered through the window there and there was all these legends out the front. There was Dale Lewis, Paul Kelly, Darren Criswell and they're all standing and clapping. I thought, what's that for? And I looked out the front and Tony Lockett had a cricket bat and he was holding it up. <laughs> I thought, what's this for? And the nutritionist was there and he'd come back from off-season and he got a hundred on his skin folds and he was raising the bat as if he made a ton. give him a clap because he came back so fat. Uh, I love it. Paul Roos joins us later here, mate. We'll have a lucky like story as well. Right, Jason Tamalolo has been found guilty and will miss two weeks after challenging his shoulder charge ban. This is terrible news for the Cowboys and for him. He won the Dallium last year. He's going to get points deducted for him for a couple of weeks now. Uh, you, what do you think about that, Sally? Yeah, also terrible news for my super coach team. Uh, he was <laughs> captain last week. He struggled. But I don't think that's a two-week penalty. I think Jason Tomalolo is so big there that he actually uses the front of his body. And sometimes we need to just take Ooh. common sense in and, and look at that and think that, yeah, it was probably a shoulder charge, but not 
one of those ones where but, you see... But there was no arm, off. Jamie. Yeah, like, they, they said you've got to use your arm. look how big he is. If you slow that down, which the... I mean, they slowed down to look at tries. They would have slowed down to look at that at the judiciary tonight. He yeah. is not turned side on and cock and holding a beer and looking yeah, at they've, that. They've changed that. They don't want any grey end anymore. Yeah. They want it black yeah. and white. So you've got to be in the action of trying to wrap your arms around the opponent. If you don't do that, you're yeah. going to go. And there was force in it. Everything mm. that is going to injure some bloke is right there in that tackle. I think you've got to look where his arm finishes, Tane. His arm finishes right up like he's going through. It wasn't cocked, turned side on. His arm's actually coming through. It's probably not as far away from the body as the judiciary would like, and that's why he's got two weeks. All right, after a, a poor loss to Penrith, Tigers coach Jason Taylor and skipper Aaron Woods were understandably reluctant to talk about the drug and gambling admissions of the band Tim Simona. But at least one reporter wasn't happy with that idea. It's, I've, I've clearly JC's said that I just, I'd like... I'm going to comment about it in the next couple of days and just... You can, keep, you can ask another ten of them if you like, but we aren't going to answer them. Just So let's get on with it. Do you think with Tim Simona... <laughs> Brother, I'm not answering questions about Tim. Let's go. I'm not answering. <laughs> you see the look Woodsy gave as well at the end there. Absolutely beautiful. You can understand them being peeved by that, can't you? Well, if you say it once... Don't ask again, because you're not going to get anything out no, of it. See, I disagree. I, I, that's what a press conference should be for, for me. I mean, it was a live issue. It was that day's issue. It was all over the news that day. He's Say what you like about it. Be as bland as you like, but he's had to address it that day. That's a mistake by Taylor. For but he's not he said he was yeah, coming yeah. yeah, I know, but you're dragging it out, aren't yeah, but not you? Look, it was game day, so I think his theory was, I don't want to take away from the game, even though they were, they were thrashed. But something like that, when it's such serious issues, if, if the coach isn't going to talk put up a talking head. The, the CEO then should front the media because it, when it's serious issues like this, you need to be upfront and you need to knock it on the head. I think Justin Pascoe had, the CEO, had yeah. actually spoken a bit yeah. and Taylor said he was going to talk today and he did. He was quoted about you know, seeing what was going on, not knowing exactly, but seeing that Timmy Simona did have problems. Yeah, I think it's a bit unfair from that reporter to go straight at Woodsy after he's played a game. He's come off the field and he's answered the question, said they won't be answering it and Justin Pascoe has released a statement and got Jason Taylor to speak. So... Uh, what we need to just remember is that there is a different issue going on here with Tim Simona and it's not all the Tigers' fault and there's no investigation in the Tigers' culture because I know the people that are there and that are running it and I know they wouldn't stand for that kind of stuff. What have you so, made of the whole Simona scandal? Look, personally, Kel, I think we've gotten lost up in how this all came out. It came out about a person that had made a bet against his own team and now they're being the Tigers are being accused or investigated for having a drug culture. Um, I don't think that... Because yeah. Tim came out and said that that was part of his problem. And this is part of his rehabilitation. He's come out to confess, you know, his, I guess, his sins or whatever mm. and wants to feel like he's going in the right direction. And as a reporter, I guess, Crash, you would see that he has tried to make those confessions to start rebuilding his, you know, his brand and whatever he needs to do to get better. But we just can't lose how this came about. It wasn't a drug issue mm. that he got caught up for. He got caught for gambling. And now, because he has confessed to everything else, he's made every rugby league player... or fan think that every time there's a long weekend, there's rugby league players going out there getting, you know, bags or whatever. So it's, and, I think it's a little it bit... Pretty graphic I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, look, he's owned up, he's taken responsibility. Bottom line is, you don't want people like that representing your code, running around. When it threatens the integrity, I mean, we talk about Todd Carney and the behaviour and alcohol and all these sort of issues, but when it threatens the integrity of the sport and the fans are watching a second-guessing, 
See you later. Mm. Yeah, it was a shocking look, wasn't it? And even the memorabilia stuff, selling that, was I found that almost offensive oh. well, as the illegal. drug taking and the I bedding. I mean, the police are investigating. I mean, that. That's, that's, you know, allegations yeah. of fraud. Tell you what, though, five bags of cocaine and never tested positive. Like, it is, gee, you know, not many blokes test positive, Jamie, do they, compared to what we think's out there? No, it's, it's running the gauntlet. There's enough, you know, testing that goes on internally and externally with WADA coming to your club, so you're really running a gauntlet there. But I just didn't want all the NRL fans to be thinking that, you know, where there's a rep weekend or, you know, Mad Monday, that it just turns into a big drug fest, because it doesn't. There's times where you can obviously have a break and go away and make your own choices, but it's definitely not in season that, that I'm aware of. All right, last week uh, I showed you a bit of the Dragons win. I showed you, uh, I think, the table maybe where they were at the very top. I think I might have shown you the Happy Dragon, Kel. Yes. It was lovely. It was terrific. Have we got another me. one? Uh, well, look, uh, no, we haven't got another one, but I, I actually can show you my exact viewing experience from the Dragons game. This is it. I was so excited. Kick off, you know, momentum. Oh, yeah. Just absolutely yeah. brilliant. You can see the ball going down here. This is me watching the TV. In comes Russell Packer. This is going to be good. No! Get the remote, get the remote. Yes, that's exactly, exactly how it happened. Didn't it. know anything until my stupid producer texted the result later in the day. Thank oh, you very much, mate. He fudged it. I think you're calling him the fudge packer now. <laughs> Are you like every other Dragons fan? When they lose, you just put the 2010 grand final on tone. And <laughs> exactly. come back. You're like me now. I'm in retirement. I just put those on. Exactly. They didn't look so great that time, uh, sadly. Now, Samara Dradra and the Eels, they looked terrific on the other hand. Four tries. But, geez, a good athlete isn't he? He's just sad, obviously, where he was. We thought we were going to lose him completely, but here he is. This is a bit of, a, bit of work down that left side. There's also some sneaky uh, passes here. That's just showboating, isn't it, Sally? Yeah, look, I think the Eels are a dangerous team this year. I think everyone had them out of their top eight at the start of the year with all the dramas that went on there and they, Radradra was leaving. But Corey Norman's been fantastic oh. for them. He's been really outstanding. Nice. He's led that team and he's just shown that I guess from a New South Wales point of view, that Queensland are going to have dominant halves for the next 10 years in those guys. But, yeah, well done to Parramatta, and, you know, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. All right, uh, look, a question without notice, but a very, very important one. Is David Clemmer much less scary now that he's grown his hair back? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> he, can't, if he, he can't be picked for New South Wales with hair. Is he? No, <laughs> that's a good point. That is terrifying on the right, but on the left, honestly... Well, he's, he's grown it and it's got a little bit of product on the left there. <laughs> yes, he he's not scary at all. He's, he's not alone, hair. though, Sowie. There's another one. I, I don't think, Fitzy, you're quite as scary uh, with hair either. <laughs> <laughs> That was What's that's that hissy fits. Um, <laughs> that was my drag name. I lost, <laughs> I lost a bet that night, and I've been doing it every week. Saturdays, at, <laughs> Saturdays at Stonewall. I'll see you there. <laughs> Speaking of hairdos and sport, the New York Yankees treat their stars like school kids. Long hair and beards are forbidden. This is fair income. This is new recruit Clint Fraser. Look at that. He's got the beautiful stylish do there. It all ends up on the floor. This is what they have to do. Oh. This is a notorious rule. It's been around yeah. since the early 70s, I think, when the club president saw them line up George for the, sing the national yeah. anthem and said, no, some of the long hair's got to go, and it's been a I think it was George Costanza's idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's a law against all redheads now, isn't it? They're off. Absolutely. At what point, though, does, does a tradition become outdated? You have to start to think. But if you're getting paid all that money, you'd do whatever they told you to do. That's true. All right, the Raiders got hammered by the Sharks in Canberra despite the efforts of the Viking clapping crowd to get them going. They even had the, the giant horn with Alan Tung on the end of it, uh, as you can see there. Uh, it, and here, isn't that a good sound? That, um... 
You know, when I saw that, a tongue, a horn, and the Viking clap, it's, it sounds like a Swedish video. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you applauding that? <laughs> Why is he crushed? She crushed his club back. Pick the Queenslander. <laughs> I'm so slow, I was getting your first guess. <laughs> this is one from the green room half an hour ago. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure which is better at pre match ritual, the giant hornblower or the Texas bell ringer. Remember him? Oh. <laughs> 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 Come on, finish, thank you. All right, you. That's what David Clemens going to look like in six months. Hawthorne veteran Luke Hodge will miss the opening round for failing to show for a training session. Kel, is this all good? There has been some talk. Columnists like Patrick Smith has said that what about in the, well, last year when the game that you would have missed wasn't the first round but a final and it was a drink driving charge and he was fined rather than missing a game. How come it's happening now, first round, who cares? It seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? I don't know whether... We, you have to take them on face value and that we know all the details, but you're right. I mean, to put it into context, 18 months ago, around finals time, he was caught drink dri driving um, and they fined him, I think, $5,000 at the time. The story goes this time that he hosted his brother's 21st birthday. The next day, he missed training. He said it was miscommunication. Jamie, this is a four-time premiership player, one of the greatest players of the modern era. So, I mean, it raises a question in clubland. Do you set different standards for your leaders or is it, you know, one all-in all, all in type thing? This what? is a new captain, Jared yeah. Ruffhead and his leadership group, trying to make a stand, but to, to suspend him for round yeah. one of the home and away season seems a little bit harsh. Yeah, especially when you have a look, they didn't suspend him for that issue with the yeah. finals game. So, But I think Jared Ruffhead's come out and wants to stamp his authority, and that's from outside looking in. You just have to think you've got to what? go with that, Fitzy, that they're going to suspend him, teach the young kids coming in a lesson, because they've been so dominant for so long yep. that they want that new breed to be able to take on Roughhead's leadership. Yeah, you've got to set the standard. You have to kill, unfortunately. He's you know, in the bank. But if you give him... If you give him a second chance, that means any young fella knows that you can, they could do it. You know what I mean? Like, you've, even though he is a former captain, you've still got to set the standard. Yep. Alright, well, from wooden spoon favourites to grand finalists, it's a great story for the Brisbane Lions in the women's AFL, Kel. It is undefeated after the first six rounds, so it's the final round this weekend, round seven, but what we know is the Lions, they were tipped to finish Wooden Spooners crash, and they will, they have earned the hosting rights. So the big question now is, will it be played at the Gabba? Or will it be played at Metricon Stadium as part of a doubleheader before the Q Clash, uh, the men's game, uh, in round one? Kel, there's a massive story brewing up there right at the moment. It'll be settled tomorrow. But after the Adele concert, half the Gabba wicket had to be replaced. Mm. Like, gee, they're a rough crowd at the Adele concert. You're right, right because I'm, I'm hearing that it'll it'll yeah. go it'll be played at the Gabba. But well, they are desperately trying to re-turf the pitch as oh. we speak. But maybe the Brisbane Lions men's games? Well, they, the cricket has written to the AFL yep. and said, can you please reschedule the first two home games Oof. of the season away from the Gabba? Wow. Because the, the pitch is in no state to host mm. games. That includes the women's, even though they're, they're pulling out every stop to get it there. Mm. 
My worry down the track is that Ashes test in November, the last time they re-turfed the Gabba wicket, it took them 15 years to get back to what it was. So mm. it's actually really serious stuff. They're, they're very worried about it. And you've got, uh, Kel, you've got a show in the next couple of weeks, I understand. I do. Uh, it kicks off tomorrow night, actually. Yeah, um, tomorrow night on Fox Footy. Obviously, women's footy is the talk of the town at the moment. So we're just going to talk about it, come together and dissect and reflect and analyse and celebrate right. what's been a, an unforgettable six right, or so seven So Crash weeks. has got a new show. You've You've got a yep. new show. Yeah, you're on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a, uh... South African jungle for you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> First man out. First man out. Yeah, it was a cute ceremony at Buckingham Palace for the start of the 2018 Commonwealth Games Baton Relay. Now, it's on its way to the Gold Coast. Aussie cyclist Anna Miz deserving. She got the honour of taking the baton from the Queen. Uh, she left, it left, I understand, in a combi van, which I think is, is beautiful. It had a surfboard on top. Yeah. Uh, a nice touch. It was. It was beautiful, guys. And um, things, all things didn't go to plan, though, unfortunately. I've got some footage after Anna passed it on. This is Marjorie Jackson here. She's got <laughs> the, the bat. Flash. She goes, uh, so unfortunately she went Andrew Gaze, this is Gaze who gets hit by a car. And Cadell Evans was supposed to take over here on his bike, but things went horribly wrong. Can we, can we just have a look at this peanut here? Look at the carnage. He's taking a step. He's trying to get in. So the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games hasn't got off to a good start. Uh, they could well have been alternative facts. Thank you so much, Fitzy. All right. We've seen wind play havoc with sporting events in the past, but what about this from Sunday? The Cape Town Cycling Tour literally blown away. This event's been going for 40 years. Look at it go. Just brilliant footage. <laughs> this is my... I'm so, oh, I'm sorry for this one. He's just had a toilet break. A toilet break and down here goes. Coming up, Long Roos joins us. Jose Mourinho has a special spray for Chelsea fans. This week's top five. And someone call a rules official because this one doesn't have a clue what he's doing. joining in the show voting. How about that? Sublime piece of juggling on the byline. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Fahid Ben Kalfala gets the goal. But Bessar Barisha gets all the credits. He stays in the game long enough to put the ball into the danger zone and he can't get beaten on the edge of his six-yard box. What a ball in. That is a bit special. Gotta love that skill from Bursat Berisha. I know, Sowie, it's not your team. You're a wanderer's man, but you've got to admire that, huh? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> Goal of the season? Anything that's not red and black, it's not my cup of tea. But yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good from Berisha. Mm. Would you put it the goal of the season? Oh, I mean, would have to be up there as a contender, and he'd well, have to be one of the best players that the A leagues produced really over its entirety. When Timmy Carl's round one was pretty good. Yeah, and Timmy Carl's getting paid all the big dollars across town, isn't he? And mm. Barisha just continues to put on a show every week. Week after week, yeah. he's terrific. Still keeping them sort of in the hunt, obviously, Sydney FC out there well in front. Barisha learnt those skills, the uppy skill, the keepy uppy skills from his uncle Hugo in Albania. Uh, look at Hugo go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's terrific at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Waiting to get the speed up here. Uh, whoa, there hey. we go, Pumpa. She's oh, Mark Verdugas let himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done, Hugo. 
It's not Bowser, is it? No. <laughs> Oh, You've really changed since you got your own show. <laughs> the, uh, the former special one, Jose Mourinho, took Manchester United back to his old home of Chelsea this morning and he'd be beaten in the FA Cup quarterfinal and cop abuse from not just the crowd, his Chelsea manager, Antonio Conte. Have a listen. They can call what they want. I am a professional. I defend my club. And um, until the moment they have... A manager that wins four Premier Leagues for them, I'm the number one. When they have somebody that wins four Premier Leagues for them, I become number two. Do you like the uh, Jose style? Love. Yeah? Love Mourinho. I think most supporters wouldn't know the EPL was on unless Mourinho was talking about Manchester United, so Chelsea are that far in front. But he's right. You know, he won four Premier Leagues there, and until uh, Conte wins four there, he's, he's still number one. Yeah, I think he's, he's brilliant. I mean, they did get into him, the yeah, crowd as well. That's fine, but he's, he was so successful there that I think deep down they, they know the respect and what he did for that club. Yeah, they do admire him. Uh, all right, look, are you ready to have your hearts warm? Because like uh, Jamie Howard, some people do love Mourinho. This is a little kid here, look at him. He's the Russian boy before Man U played Rostov. He's just so excited. I love that that's look so on his cute. face. Have a look. <gasps> he's real. <laughs> he's real. I just, see, there you go. How can you bag Jose when you... He is a special one. And I know, Kel, you, you want to see some more starstruck kids. Oh, so let's start with uh, this little fella getting up close a uh, look at Wayne Rooney. Look at his cheeks. Yeah, that's right. Now, this was Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh, yeah. Again, playing for Sweden. Oh. <laughs> 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 you pinch me. Is it real? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pinch me! Pinch me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gorgeous. So sensational. Uh, and look, oh. here we go again. Now, this kid is absolutely amazing. Look at this. He puts the ball down. And it's all about Lionel Messi for him. Now, it's time to go off. But oh, there he is. No, I'm not going off. I'm going over and standing next to him. Look at that. There he is. This is a great oh. shot. Beautiful, isn't it? And there he goes. Off he goes, sunshine. Love it. Of course, it has to take the mean uh, officials to actually get rid of the kid from the field there. <laughs> there's, there's about a billion dollars floating around that kid right there. Yeah, exactly right. Beautiful pictures. I love Gorgeous. it. Which brings me to this. Uh, if you thought that was touching, I just want you to check out this little guy. He's fulfilling his dream of scoring a touchdown for his wow. favourite football team. It's just brilliant. They, mm -hmm. they go away all the way through to the end. Oh. <laughs> I really should have watched that to the end. <laughs> Sorry, I should have, I could have watched that before we uh, actually played that. Sorry about that. Look, look, no point sugarcoating it. Australian rugby has had a poor stretch. Another losing weekend in Super Rugby with Aussie teams lagging behind absolutely everybody else. Crash, it's not a good look now. They're wondering whether, in fact, we will continue to have all of the Australian franchises in Super Rugby. Oh, they're tense, Tony. All, all five franchises, yeah. you know, are either losing money or under the pump. One of them will go, they reckon, in the, in the revisited re competition. Another one in South Africa will probably go. It, it's just desperate times. They're not winning, and it would have meant so much just to start the season strongly. 
to, to generate the debate. We must stay, all five of us. They can barely win and a And you game. would think it would be the Melbourne Rebels, but and they've struggled really to cut through in their five or six years, but they've got that wealthy private backer. Yeah. So the force, 10 years, no finals, mm. would, would be probably more nervous than any other team. Oh, I think so. They're up against it. And you know what? They fought the good fight, the force, and there's a lot of good people there, and they've had their moments, but if someone goes, you'd, you'd think mm. they'd be the top seed. Yeah, but there is the South African element. People living in Perth, they seem to have this more interest over there than there is in Melbourne, I would have thought. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Melbourne really... It had the hype when it began because you had yeah. Kirtley Bill, James O'Connor, Danny Cipriani, yeah, that, yeah. but they were more Rat Pack that were there just to have yes. a bit of fun. And it's a team that's battled to recover, really, since then. Yeah, well, at the weekend, the Reds were unlucky in their loss to the Crusaders, not least because of this try, which is within the rules. Look, it puts the ball down against the, the post. That's a try, but absurd, surely. It is, but the only surprise, really, is it doesn't happen more often. That's the rules. You're allowed to put the ball there. And we've heard, you know, super teams will tell you that halfbacks are always sniffing around thinking about it, but it doesn't happen as often as it probably should, if Jamie. the defender stands there in front of the goalpost, yeah. he's going to rule it offside. Offside, yeah. yeah it's yeah. almost impossible. How big are the posts as well? They're massive. I know. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that, that's the thing which makes it possible, those giant pads. Yeah. If it was played in India, you'd have one pad bigger up one end than the other. <laughs> 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 Aussie teams uh, need everybody on board, uh, not just the players. This is how it's done. Uh, the Sunwolves line up for a crucial kick for goal against the Cheetahs. Uh, coming through, got to go. Emergency, emergency. Uh, just got to go over here, check out one of my players. Uh, Has anyone seen my golf ball? <laughs> <laughs> He's got his jerseys on too tight. I know I can get off by myself. Uh, and then he comes through to oh, take no. the kick at goal. It's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, I thought he was going to go back and <laughs> exactly. Still with golf buggies, though. Uh, rules officials uh, in golf usually arrive in the buggy to clean up a problem. And if you notice here, this bloke at the Indian Open was the problem instead. Here goes the ball and <laughs> boom, oh. into the cart and down onto the fairway. <laughs> Mate, oh, just having a little cruise up the middle of the fairway for no yeah. apparent reason. What a place to go straight on driving land oh, nice. <laughs> across the middle of the fairway. Oh, I can't wait for Caddyshack too. That looks really, <laughs> that looks really good. <laughs> we love unbelievable table tennis shots uh, right here on the back page. And this is a great one. Have a look. There we go. Look, it's uh, the big guy in the... Uh, this uh, Round the back. Look at it again. And... Whoosh, oh. Exactly. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Which brings us, Crash, uh, quite sweetly, if they're going to play that 45,000 times there, <laughs> uh, to this week's top five, which will be now top 50. Uh, a great table tennis oh, shots. Oof. Love it. And at number five, this is pretty much the same as the last one. Uh, if you look here, it's the no. Oh. <laughs> the reaction from the other guy is good as well. <laughs> at number four, Similar, but on the forehand side, you'll see, with a little 360 turn as well. Boom. Oh, oh, and nice. just hitting it right into the corner. Sensational. That's a look away. Yeah, look away. Down it goes. Oh. Beautiful. Now, this is class. This is the curl around the net. In the blue, watch him. Oh! Stop oh, yeah. <laughs> it. I don't believe that. Wow. That's yours, is it? Yeah, that's the sensational. And number two, well, this is just total ass. Straight up in the air, uh, nobody knows where it is. Oh. Bounces oh. and oh. on his <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? And at number one, this is the uh, this is classy. This is the mully grubber. Looks at this. 
just around the net. Oh, and, I love it. Yeah, this is how the ranchy pitch will bounce. Yeah. Just like that. Oh. <laughs> there you go, there is your top five coming up. A very special guest, the great Paul Roos, joins us right here in the studio. Stick around. Tearing up. <laughs> what a great thrill to welcome the man who helped deliver that long-awaited flag uh, for the Swans, Paul Ruse. Hello and welcome. Good evening, everyone. Good to uh, be here. Uh, obviously, you know, we haven't in that little segment there played much of your clipboard work with uh, the Demons. But that's probably my fault, uh, largely. <laughs> but we'll get to that, that as well. Uh, and thank you so much for wearing shoes. Uh, I know that your current lifestyle, you spend a bit of time bare feet. Yeah, you know why? Just uh, wandering down the beach in the budgie smugglers and the sandals. So no, it's it's nice to have some nice gear on. <laughs> Do you? Uh, we'll get to all the things that uh, we saw there. Coaching, though. I mean, it's, it's such a short time away from it. What's that little gap done for you? Yeah, look, it was a different experience going to Melbourne. You touched on it. I think when you play with a team and then coach, you're very aware of the personalities, the people you're coaching. Uh, so I, I'd played with a lot of the guys that I coached at Sydney. Going to a new team probably 12 months before you really get a, a full grasp of personalities, uh, you know, the talent level and all those sorts of things. So the Melbourne thing was more around setting up for the future, you know, with, with Simon Goodwin coming on, handing it over, getting a really good coaching group together. Peter Jackson done a terrific job, Glenn Bartlett from an admin point of view. And then we just really had to get the football department right. So they're, they're quite different, the two different roles. Um, and, and footy evolved so I was out for three years working with the uh, Swans Academy and, and doing Fox footy. So it changes a lot in three years' time. So the second time around was, was different to the Swans experience. Just on Goody, um, you mentored him for a few years, Rusey. Um, he's taking over now. I know Goody personally, I think he's going to be a great coach. Do you think, uh, with your game plan that you had over the last few years, do you think Goody will be changing that a bit? Do you reckon it'll be a different game plan for the Melbourne Demons? Or, Look, we're or really conscious of working really closely together. Year one, when Goody wasn't there, it was really about defence. I think we were leaking about 130 points a game, you know, mm -hmm. so we really we, we, we bettered that by five or six goals. But when Goody arrived, it was then about balance, about offence and defence. And to be perfectly frank, Goody was terrific last year. Mm. He was really running the program and, you know, we talk a lot about game plan. But what we couldn't afford to do for the Melbourne players was suddenly I leave, Goody comes in, it's completely different. Yep. So we were both really conscious of making sure there's some continuity. I mean, it's a different voice as a head coach. I think that's for this group... Um, is probably good enough. John Longmire is very different because I'd been there for eight and a half years. So, really, mm. John was probably in a position where he needed to change the game plan, change some things. Whereas with Goody and I, we worked really closely last year and Goody, as I said, pretty much ran the program. So, I don't think the game plan is going to change mm. a lot. You know, we started to get a lot more offensive last year and, um, yeah, and the talent level's improving um, and I think the, the club's in really good hands with Goody. Paul, when I think of your coaching, I think innovator. 
What have you made of the women's competition? I know you've been along to a couple of them. You even said last year when your days at Melbourne as coach coming to an end that you were interested in putting your hand up to coach the Melbourne team and they're still in the running for the grand final. Has it exceeded your expectations or did you always think it would take Look, off? Look, when I first arrived at Melbourne, they had the Melbourne versus Bulldogs game. And I remember, I must admit, I didn't really know what to expect and walked up on the ground for one of those games. It was the first time I'd really seen the, the, the women play. I, re I remember taking the New South Wales girls for training uh, once when I was up here. And I remember walking up onto the ground and I was, I was just blown away about the standard of the game. So then, yeah, I gradually got to know the girls and then coming into this season, oh, I've been really impressed, you know. It's just mm. been a, a fantastic experience to watch them live. I've watched most games on television. And to, to be at the ground, uh, you know, but credit to the girls. I mean, what they've put on this year has been fantastic. Well, there's a golden rule on the show that anyone who comes on who's had anything to do with Tony Lockett has to slap a Lockett story on the table. What's yours? <laughs> well, I just... Well, this is... I don't know if it's breaking news or not. I was just saying, before we've come on air, and I think Plugger's coming back to Sydney as a coach. So, wow. uh, I, believe, coach. I believe Sydney have got their jumper night tonight and it's on the Twitter and he's coming back once, once every couple of weeks. The, the, the story that, that I remember about Plugger, though, they, they asked him to do some Pilates... <laughs> and he said, he said, there's no way known I'm doing Pilates. So a couple of days went past, had a bit of a think tank. They walked up and said, look, we want you to do some stretching. He said, well, I'll do stretching. Yeah, it was basically yeah. exactly the same exercise. It was going to be, they just renamed it stretching. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that he's called Plugger reminds me of a, a conversation we had quite a few years ago. And you're talking about, I think your, your sons might have brought friends around, and you were worrying about the young people not using nicknames. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a bugbear of mine because as the boys started growing up, mm. you know, they started going to school and someone had come, ho come home and I'd whack a nickname on them and they'd look at me like, <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and i go, well, there's a kid, a, a kid called Coco. I'm like, oh, how's Pops going? <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Dad? And I was flat. I was really flat. So never, never stuck, never caught on. So I don't know what happened to the year of the nickname, but certainly didn't catch on to Lara Public School. <laughs> no longer a, a player, no longer coaching, so you're sort of free of those club restraints. Is there, you, you just use the word bugbear, is there a bugbear of yours in footy? If you were in charge for a day, is there, is there something that you'd get rid of or change? I think more around the general. I think the frustration with a lot of coaches around the rule changes, you know, I think that's probably the most frustrating thing. Um, yeah, we've seen a few this year, and it's not that I'm not supportive of the end, but I think we, we let the game evolve rather than trying to morph this game into, you know, by the rules. Mm. You know, the rules started, I think, in, I don't know the exact figures, but in 100 years of footy, there might have been 10 rule changes. The last 20 years mm. or 15 years, there's been something like 30 or 40. So it's just a dramatic difference in the administration now. I just hope that they let the game settle and they leave the game alone and they let you know, the players work it out, the coaches work it out. Clearly, I think from a health point of view, the third up, I think, is more of a health yeah. issue for the Ruckman. And I'm supportive of anything but, regarding health, whether yeah. it's head-high tackles or whatever. Yeah. That, that's completely but different. But you keep the bounce? I, look... I would actually, it's interesting you should say that. Years ago, I can't remember what coaches were involved, and before they started changing all these rules around the contest with, with free kicks and numbers around the football, there was a number of coaches that said, throw the ball up. You look at an old um, AFL, VFL game from years ago, and I remember watching the State of Origin game mm. from 30 years ago. The umpire virtually ran in, picked the ball up, and threw it up straight away. Straight away. Mm. The Ruckman could barely get there, let alone the two high mm. half forwards and the half backs. But they wouldn't do that at the time. And I think that's come back to bite them a little bit. 
I'm not one, that, to be honest. I'm not one that goes to the football to watch the umpire bounce. Well, the Adelaide coach wants to have yeah. professional bouncers come out there. <laughs> Guys in black pants and black shirts, obviously. I can understand. <laughs> Maybe the start of a game, start of yeah. a quarter. Yeah. I think the grand final, yeah, yeah. ball in the air, bounce it. But after that, oh, I think just throw it in the air. Just a bugbear that I have, Ruzi, and you've got to help me out here. We don't have enough mullets in the oh, game yeah. because <laughs> you had one of the greatest of all time. We've got some... I mean, that's you as a young fella there. That was before my first game, actually, Oh, was it really? Yeah. What were you doing? You're making out. I was working at the AMP there, shuffling the, did the Penske file, I think. Oh, oh, see, Ruzi, oh. we need. Taylor Walker had one a few years ago, but we really do need that back. We really do. I was encouraging my sons. My son actually had one, he grew one a couple of years ago, and, and, and there's a really good photo of him. I should get him a text and I'll show it on the phone. <laughs> He actually did look like me. Oh, I think I might bring it back. It looked good in Hawaii. Yeah, Waikiki. absolutely. <laughs> Ruthie, what about the era of the blow-up in the coaching box? There's nowhere near as many as there used to be. And you were pretty restrained. What was your biggest blow-up? Have you, you know, your biggest explosion in coaching? It may never have even been on film, but any time yeah, you thought, oh, geez, two. I lost it. One that they did catch on film, which was at... Uh, ANZ Stadium, um, where I was waving Ooh. a bit of paper around and, and throwing it. The other one was against West Coast in about 2005, where I went nuts after the game. Mm. Generally speaking, though, um, that one with Hawley there it, was... was can um, we have a look at this one? This yeah, is with Hawley people, here. People, this was actually the day that, that Barry um, clocked Staker. Yeah, how yeah, did you keep people, cool? people thought that I, I was talking to him about that at half-time. He'd actually broken his wrist on a... Oh, on the and fence. we didn't know that. I hadn't seen the incident with Hawley. And I was actually just... Because with, with Hawley, it, this is about how you engage with certain players. You knew Hawley had to look at you to try and focus. Because a lot of players, once the game starts, as, as you know, it's really hard to communicate with them. So I was just really Hawley, you know, and I was asking him about his wrist and how he was feeling. Because I actually hadn't seen the incident at that stage. So a couple, but... You're right. I mean, certainly not as many as perhaps uh, in yesteryear. Rodney E. Rodney E. got me a couple as well. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I still twitch at home sometimes when I, when I hear his voice. Rosie, tell us about the no dickhead policy that you brought in at the Swans or that you monitored. Apparently you're well known for it. Yeah, look, well, I think there was a comment Rick Barham made about the no dickheads. I mean, certainly loosely... I mean, we had Fitzy. Loosely around... Around those, but now I think you were pre-me, so that probably. Yeah. Look, it was yeah. loosely it's around those. Yeah. Yeah. It was loosely around those terms, but it was never as sort of strict as that sort of thing. So, but I think it was around character. I saw you talking about Hodgie before, and I think teams now around character and trying to build, you know, character in the organisation is really important. All right. Well, thank you so much for dropping in. Thank you so much for 2005 uh, as a fan, and great to see you. And obviously, league teams, you'll be uh, working on. Yeah, looking on forward to that with, with Dermy and probably a different format this year. We really want to inform the viewers as they're going to the weekend. So we'll certainly do the teams, but a lot more around previewing the games on the weekend. And looking forward to working with Derm. It should be great. Thursday, 6:30, Fox Footy. You'll make it brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks, uh, guys. Loving to chat. Coming up, our champ of the week. Stick around. Welcome back. Yeah, you've got to be uh, on your game as a rally navigator. Uh, you've got every bump and every turn, uh, including, the, including those in the car park, uh, which is where they've ended up in this rally. And through he goes, obviously, Bayes' ticket there uh, comes out the other side. This is dry, the driver, Chris Meek, he ends up back on the road. Oh. This is the World Rally Championships, by the way. Wow. And he still wins. That's my wife at Woolies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, yes, I'll be waiting for the wife to have it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is time now for our Champ of the Week, brought to you by Kumo Tyre. And when you think snow and world champions, you instantly think Australia. Well, we've got two of them this week. It's amazing. Britt Cox, first Aussie to win a world championship in the Olympic format of moguls after her win in Spain. Absolutely brilliant. So if that's not enough, snowboarder Scotty James. This guy's his, a freak, isn't he? This is the half-pipe world championship. He did this on Saturday, also in Spain. His first run was enough to win it. He then topped that with his second, picking up the highest score of the season. Congratulations to you both, champs of the week. Thank you very much, all of you. Thank you so much for watching. It's time for us to say goodbye. See you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.